glad that you took the time to come to church today because I know that it's the best place to be for God to meet with us and to uh, work within us and change us from the inside out. So I'm really glad to see you this morning. We've got a few things going on today. We have our Alliston service right now happening up in Alliston. So that's always exciting to have a team go up there. And um, I know that something special is going to happen through One Heart at Alliston. So are you with me on that? Yes. Also, this afternoon, uh, we'll be going into the prison. BJ, myself, and uh, Pastor Aaron will be here uh, with us in the prison. I'm going to introduce him in a second. But August is our month of one priority, which is giving for our our, uh, buildings. And uh, it's a sacrificial time in our church where we we voluntarily choose to give to God. I'm going to talk a bit about that at the end of the service today. But I just want to encourage you to consider what you can do for our one priority giving. Um, I'll explain a little bit more about that later on. But I, I am really, really excited to have you here in church today and also to be introducing our guest speaker today, Pastor Aaron Price from Centerpoint Church in Perth. Um, I'm not going to, I don't know the name of the the, um, uh, the, the campus where he's at, um, someplace in Perth. I don't, I don't know Perth at all, but uh, he's got an incredible story and in Christianese we call that a testimony, but in normal, in normal life you call it your story. So he's got an incredible story of, of the, the power of God to change a life because God changed his life in a dramatic way. I'll leave that to him to tell you all about it. But uh, I'm just going to ask us to uh, put our hands together as we welcome Pastor Aaron to speak to us this morning. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody? Excited to be in the house of God? Come on, are you excited to be in the house of God? You are very good. Hey, can we give it up for the worship team? Just doing such a great job. Thank you, Pastor Beth. And, um, and I think we often forget to give it up for the guys that are on the back desk. They've got all the pressure. And maybe if we lift it up loud enough, we can give it up for the guys in children's church taking care of the kids, yeah? Good on there is so many moving parts to a church service that we come in and we sit comfortably and it's all nice and we get to watch things, but people are working hard, very hard. I'm excited to be here. Uh, thank you, Pastor Rob and Pastor Pauline for having me over. It's a real p- privilege to be here. Uh, I was fortunate enough to spend the weekend here and, uh, and get a bit of a tour of your lovely, lovely town or city. It's pretty big, hey? It's pretty big. It's very nice. But... Um, I am here just to share a bit of my journey with you. I'm uh, a campus pastor at a church called Centerpoint Church, as Pastor Rob said. Uh, I am in a place called Gosnells, the city of Gosnells. We run our east campus, my wife and I, uh, and we serve under our senior pastor, uh, senior pastors, Pastor Joel and Sharon Chalaya, who are the state presidents of ACC in WA, and they wanted me to say hello to you guys to say that they are praying for you, hearing amazing things right over in the West about what you guys are doing. You guys are an amazing church, and it's really exciting to be here and get to see it for myself. So what I was thinking we would do is probably start by praying, right? It's probably good to start a church service by praying. Amen? You with me? All right, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you that we can uh, just come and be with you, Lord. We don't want to lose sight of why we're here. It's not about the lights. It's not about the music. It's about 
worshipping you, Lord. So this morning we just pray that our, our songs are worshipped to your ears, that it's pleasing to you, that the words spoken come directly from heaven and minister to hearts. Lord, open our minds and our ears for fresh revelation. Holy Spirit, have your way here this morning. We want a fresh touch from heaven. Lord, we pray uh, for Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Michael as they minister to the One Heart family in Elliston, Lord. Let your anointing presence be upon them. Let there be a mighty move of God in that place this morning. We partner with them here as they're doing their open heaven over us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Very cool. Very cool. So this morning, it's actually cool because I don't have to preach. I don't have to teach. I just get to tell you my story, right? That's pretty cool. And it's one of my favorite topics, me. It's one of my easiest things to talk about is talking about me. But that's actually not truth. I'm talking about God and what God did in my life. Um, and if I'm really honest, my life's really good. I'm really, really blessed. I have uh, a, a great family. I think we've got a photo of my, my family. That's uh, my wife and four of my five children. I think there's another one with my oldest boy in it as well. Yeah, uh, really, really blessed. They're good kids and my wife's amazing. We have a great church. I get lots of great opportunity. Um, things are good. They're really good. Great church family. I get opportunities like this. But it hasn't always been that way. My life hasn't always been as it is now. So I grew up in, uh, I was born in Victoria, in Dandenong, Victoria. And uh, my parents moved over to uh, Western Australia when I was little. I think we got a photo of me as a little one. Look, there he is. There he is. Wowzers. Wowzers. Um, and, and, and like I said, I, my, my parents loved me. I had an older sister. It was just us and they were good people. Um, my dad is uh, just retired from the federal police. He was in the counterterrorism unit and he was a bomb technician dismantling bombs. And my mum uh, was in senior human resource for the government. So um, they were good people who, who uh, loved us dearly. When I was quite young, my parents separated for a time due to some issues and mum had a boyfriend and he wasn't the nicest of, uh, nicest of guys in the world and, and he liked to rule with an iron fist and was quite violent and, uh, and, and aggressive towards me and, and also my mum. When I was about 11, uh, mum said, we've got to get away from this guy, so left this guy and about a year later, mum and dad managed to sort things out, reconcile, which was good. And I thought we were on the, on the turn. This is, come on, this is good, right? And parents are back together when you're a kid. You know, your life kind of feels like it's falling apart when mum and dad aren't sort of working together in things and, and, and life wasn't good. So they got back together and I'm thinking, this is looking up, this is going to be good. Uh, and I started to dream again. I started to dream about what I could be and what I could do. And, and I dreamt of being like, a, like every kid, I think, like a professional sports player, football player or something. I used to play rugby when I was little. And I thought, one day I'll play for St. George or something, you know. But, well, look out. And, uh, and, and I always dreamed of being uh, influential of changing people's lives, of, of being known, of you know, getting great opportunities to sow into people. I, as a young boy, I, I dreamed of that kind of thing. 
um, as I got a little bit older, I was probably about 13, and uh, uh, my sister, uh, my sister's best friend died. His name was Matt, and he was, uh, I was very, I looked up to this guy. My sister was a few years older than me. There should be a photo of my sister there, yeah, that's me and my sister. And uh, so my, my sister's best friend, Matthew, passed away, and I looked up to this guy. He was a good guy. It turned out that he died in her arms from a heroin overdose. And everything came out that she was a drug addict as well and, and he, he died from this drug overdose. And I remember thinking to myself, this is crazy. Like, why would you, why would you take heroin in the first place? That's like full on, right? Um, and I thought, well, at least now that will be such a shock to the system that, that you know, you would stop, right? Your best friend dying literally in your arms. The amazing thing was it didn't stop her didn't change anything she kept using probably worse if anything by this stage I'm about 14 and um, and I'm thinking to myself how could what's so good about this drug what's so special about this drug what does it do that you would uh, that you would continue using it when you know what it can do when you've watched it take your best friend How, how would you how do you do that so like any smart 14-year-old, that just piqued my curiosity and I thought, I'll try it, right? Clever, yeah? So I tried heroin. The first time I tried heroin was horrible. Like, I was so sick, sicker than I've ever... It was like it was yesterday. I was that sick, I remember it like it was yesterday. And, and I thought, that can't be what it's like. So again, made another smart choice the next day and went... Well, that can't be what it's like. I'll try it again. So I did. And the second time it wasn't like that. It was much better. And it was funny how all the problems, all the darkness, all the hurt, all the insecurity, all the, all the, the things of the past seemed to fade away when I was on this drug. All the problems, all the challenges, all the, the things I'd been dealing with faded away. I didn't have to deal with it anymore. I didn't feel any pain. I didn't have to struggle with any bad thoughts. I just felt good. I just felt good. Which was a problem. Because by the time I was 16, I was a full-blown heroin addict. I'd left school. I'd gotten a job as an apprentice mechanic. I'd moved out of home. And, and, and I was selling drugs and taking drugs to support my habit. And, and it was okay for a while. I was sort of supporting my habit for a while. But it got to a point where I could no longer afford to, to keep work. I couldn't afford to work anymore because I needed to be scoring drugs all the time. And everything had changed for me. Now, I don't know when, when it happened, but something broke in me. Something changed on the inside. And I don't know if it was watching friends die or, or if it was the darkness of the drug itself. But something broke on the inside of me. And I, I just lost all care for everything and anything. I had no remorse. I had no feelings about anything, no happy, no sad, no nothing. The only thing that I cared about was drugs. That's all I cared about was heroin. I was just ruthless, just a ruthless person. And I'd do whatever I needed to do to get heroin. Um, I had ended up stopping work. Oh, 
I would have been probably 18, 19 maybe, left work uh, so I could try to sell more drugs to support my habit and that ended up just becoming crime to support my, my, my habit and I just drugs and crime, drugs and crime and that, and that was my life, that was all I did, drugs and crime. And for once in my life, funny as it sounds, I kind of felt like I was in control even though I wasn't. I was totally out of control, but I felt like I was in control of this. And, and I was pretty good at it. I was pretty good at being bad. If that's a good thing, I don't know. But I was good at being bad, so I felt like I was achieving something. But it was just not a good place to be. And I had, complete, I had no dreams anymore. That little boy who had dreams was completely gone. I'd completely separated from the, the mindset of wanting to achieve anything. I wasn't thinking about tomorrow. I wasn't thinking about next week. I wasn't thinking about next year. Every dream had gone and now as I'm sure you can imagine when it comes to drugs and crime there's pretty much only two outcomes that come from that that is death which I saw a lot of and jail fortunately for me I got the second one because it'd be a bit weird me telling my story if I got the first one because <laughs> anyway uh, but so I found myself uh, I'd been on the run for a while staying in motels and hotels uh, my parents' house got raided one day by detectives yet again. I was uh, on the run from the police and had been for some time and I was wanted for armed robbery and stolen cars uh, amongst a whole list of other things. Uh, and when they raided my parents' house again looking for me, I was just tired. I was just so tired of running, so tired of my lifestyle, so tired of what was going on that uh, I just couldn't do it anymore and end up getting arrested found myself in a Supreme Court uh, in Perth and, um, and I'm sitting in the dock and I had a, a quite a good lawyer. I'd known him for a while because I'd been in trouble before. Um, and he was a nice guy. But um, I'm in the Supreme Court and he's talking to me and he says, he said, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at about 15 to 20 years, right? And I'm like... Sorry, every time I say that, I have to have a drink because that's a long time, right? So he goes, you've got to be prepared for about 15 to 20 years. I was like, okay, all right, well, it is what it is. So I'm sitting there and then the judge starts talking, just talk, and I wasn't really listening, to be honest, at the beginning. And then the judge keeps going and I thought, oh, this is like a lecture from my parents. This is, this is whatever it is, and he goes on and on, and then he starts talking to me about, um, he said, when, when I clicked in to start to listen was when he said, I don't think a long jail sentence would do you any good. That's when I, <laughs> 15 years to not a long, I'm thinking surely 15 isn't short, right? That's on the long side, surely. Um, and he goes, I just think it will make you more ruthless, more violent, you know, you'll just hone your skills more. And now, don't get me wrong, I wasn't one of the, you hear this thing all the time, I hear people say it all the time, oh, they just hang around with the wrong people, they, they're in the wrong crowd. I was not hanging around with the wrong crowd, I was the wrong crowd. Right? I was the kid you didn't want your kid to hang around. I wasn't influenced by anybody, I made my own decisions, I was the wrong crowd. But anyway, so he said this about long sentence, and then turns around, and says, so we'll put you away for five and a half years, right? 
I'm like the only guy in the lockup after court rejoicing that I've just been sent to prison for five and a half years. The other guys are in complete shock. How can you be so happy? I'm like, I was expecting 15. To get five and a half, that's happy days, right? I was like, I'm so lucky. I just got, got, got away with the best thing ever, man. I'm good. Little did I know it was actually God had a plan. Not I had a plan. God had a plan. I didn't get away with anything. God was showering me in grace because he had a plan for me. So I got into jail and for the first year or so, nothing changed. I was the same. The same guy, still taking drugs, still getting into trouble, still fighting, all of that stuff. Same guy, same actions, just different location. Then I had met previously, just backtracking slightly, I'd met this guy Keith over the years who was a chaplain at a drug rehab place uh, and Keith had had it on his heart to keep talking to me, right? So to keep in contact with me. He'd come and see me once a month in jail. Now you have to understand, I had burnt every relationship that I'd had. I had, I had alienated pretty much everybody. I'd either stole from or lied to or hurt or what, disappointed in some way, shape or another. Basically every single person I knew because I'd just been so focused on what I was doing. But Keith would come and visit me once a month and he'd always say, how are you and Jesus? I didn't even understand what that meant. What do you mean, how am I and Jesus? Uh, Yeah, we're good. It's cool, we're good. And he'd just ask me that question and that was it. And he'd write me letters once a month. And on the bottom of the letter, there'd be, so the letter would just be a normal, hey, how are you going? And then on the bottom would be a a scripture and he'd just say, I'd love for you to read this scripture. Now, I didn't want to read the Bible. I didn't care for it. It was not in my existence but out of respect for him because he came to see me I could give him nothing and do nothing for him I thought oh, the decent thing would be just to read this verse once a month right whatever it is and he sends that through so April 2004 I'm at Acacia prison which is a prison in Western Australia uh, it's Good Friday uh, and, and everyone's in a great mood and doing great things they had this thing that they do Easter family day and Prisoners can apply to have their family come in and, and they do food and, and uh, it's a, a great time, a joyous occasion. Everybody's laughing. They put on some shows and bits and pieces to make it kind of feel like you're not in jail. So everybody was having a good time, but I wasn't. I was sitting in my cell because nobody came to see me because I was a jerk. I had hurt everybody, pushed everybody away, and I'm sitting in my cell hearing what's happening through the day and people coming back at the end of the day, having enjoyed themselves and had a great time. And I just remember thinking, man, I have destroyed my life. But that, hadn't made, that didn't cause me to think to change. It just sort of thought, I'll just carry on doing what I'm doing was kind of my thought process with it. But then I had this letter that I hadn't opened and it was from Keith. And it was late now on, Friday, on the Friday night and I opened this letter and... Uh, and it was just Keith saying, you know, how are you going? Happy Easter. How's life been? And, and just the normal things back and forth, kind of, you know, just checking on me, asking a few questions, telling me what he's been doing. And on the bottom of the letter was the same thing he always does. And he wrote, I'd like for you to read this passage of Scripture. So he had sent me in a Bible. I had a Bible that looked brand new, still pristine after being in jail for a while because I didn't pick it up much, maybe once a month to read a verse. 
and it was Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. This is what it says. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Boom. I got it. I got it. Every other time I'd even opened this book, every single time I opened this book and I would read the verse that he had asked me to read, it was like reading Chinese. It meant nothing. In fact, it was like reading something that had no punctuation. It was just words on a page. All of a sudden, Good Friday 2004, it was almost midnight, I read this verse that's telling me that nothing, nothing that I've done, can do, will do, ever done, been, going, can separate me from the love of God. That despite who I am and what I've done, he still loves me. Boom. How is that even possible? That's crazy. Something happened to me that night in my cell in Acacia Prison after reading that verse. Something changed in me. Something radically changed me because I changed from that moment. I came out of my cell the next day a new creation. I was born again. I was something different. I stopped smoking. I stopped taking drugs. I stopped fighting mainly. I'd had one fight after that, but that was different. I was doing pretty good. Um, and I came out like totally transformed, something, something new. I would go around crazy on fire new Christian, cell to cell, telling people about Jesus. It got so bad that some of the guys that knew me would either call me Rev, like Reverend, or Monk. I would talk about God that much every day. God, 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 God. Everything about, I wanted everybody to be saved. I'd walk in and sit down next to people and tell them about God. And they're like, oh, man, get out. But they weren't sure if I was really changed. So they didn't want to kick me out just in case I hadn't really changed. And I could have, you know. But it was a transformation that took place after this revelation, this realization that God loved me. That Jesus died on a cross to forgive me of my sin, of the things I had done. Now, I had done some crazy things. Remembering I was looking at a 15 to 20-year prison sentence for armed robberies, among other things. I was not a good person. I have done some terrible, terrible things. And the fact that this guy put himself in my place so that I could gain freedom, so that I could have access to God, so that I can be freed. That just mind-blowing, mind-blowing. So I changed. It changed my life. It changed the way I, I saw things. And I genuinely was a new creation. Things had turned around. People would come and talk to me and they go, dude, we just don't know how you can be so happy when you're in jail. And I'm like, I'm free for the first time in my life. It didn't matter where I was. I had this sense of freedom. I started to dream dreams again. 
I started to think about what my future could be and what, what I could do to help other people. Maybe, maybe that little boy that I'd lost so long ago, just maybe that dream could come true. Just maybe, just maybe. So fast forward a bit and we come to the time for me to be released and uh, I'm about to get out of jail and I'm just packing it. I was scared. I didn't know what to, what to think, what to do. My whole world was different. My whole world had changed. Uh, I didn't have anything. I had a little 34-centimetre TV. It was my jail cell TV. I had my Bible and I had the clothes that I went to jail in. And I like, I've got nothing. Right? So, but I got out and uh, moved into this little unit in Armidale and I went on like... Everyone knows what a pub crawl is, right? I didn't go on a pub crawl. I went on a church crawl because I wanted to find out what church I would go to, right? I didn't know which church to go to. So I went on this church crawl, found this church in Armadale, uh, AOG Church, and, well, ACC now, AOG then, um, and, and started at this church. Uh, the pastor there gave me a job running the drop-in center, ministering to homeless people and drug addicts and all sorts of things, which was really cool. Like I said, I lived up the road from church. I met my wife. At that church, uh, I got baptized at that church. I think we've even got a photo of that. See, that's me, much younger, less gray hair, getting baptized. Uh, and like I said, met my beautiful wife and, and got married there. And it was really good, right? Happy days. Good hair. Good times, good times. And so life had really really changed but I had to make a few decisions right I had to because I didn't know how to live a normal life I, ha I hadn't done that I'd been a heroin addict full-on since 15 and and then in jail and kind of didn't know how to how to do new things so I'd go back through these letters that Keith had written to me and have a look at some of the verses that he had put there because now I could read it right now it sort of made sense and one of them is Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6 it's trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And I would just read this over and over again like a mantra every day because I needed a straight path. I needed God to help me get to where I needed to go. I needed God to make some changes in my life and do some things in my life. Now, it would seem when you jump from there to now that my life was just peachy, right? Encounter with God, did all this bad stuff, happy days, it's all good get saved, all erased. Yeah? That's what it sounds like. But that's not right. Just because you commit your life to Jesus doesn't mean that everything is going to be a-okay. There is going to be some speed bumps along the way. And I had lots of opportunities to test my faith, to test if I was really serious about what I was doing. And I've learned a very important lesson that I really want to share with you guys today and that's in order to get your breakthrough there are some things that you're going to have to break from all right if you hear nothing else hear this in order to get your breakthrough there is going to be some things that you need to break from it's the old thought patterns the old actions the old ways of life that will tie you to an anchor and not let you fly.
Matthew 13, verse 44, says this. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Right? This is Jesus telling us that, that we have to be willing to give up everything for our relationship with him. That it is more valuable than anything else that we have. We have to be willing to give up everything we've worked for, everything we've worked at, everything we've put at place in order to be close to him. Not letting anything separate us from him. And that can be, that can be hard. I'd spent years making terrible decisions. I'd spent years doing terrible things. I'd had so many bad thought patterns in my mind, such a victim mentality, such a, like, a, oh, the world owed me something because of my childhood or something. I don't even know what I had in my mind, but, but I was unfairly done by and that's why I was like I was or whatever my messed up brain was telling me. But I had to change that. I had to break some of that. I had to pull away from some people. I had to pull away from any of my old friends. I had to cut off relationships, old ways of doing things, and learn afresh. I had to start over. And that was difficult, especially when I was going through challenges and hard times. But I put my faith in God, and God has come through every time. And like I said, I've had some challenges. In 2013, my beautiful wife got sick, uh, randomly sick. And that still troubles me, that photo, because she was, she just got sick one day and, and was basically unconscious on the couch. We had three kids, three young kids, and, and, and the doctors couldn't tell me what was wrong. They put her, had to put her on life support and they were testing and treating for everything and they had no, no idea what was wrong. And she was like that for about a week and a half. And I was going back home, so I'd, I'd get the kids all ready and my parents would come and watch the kids and I'd go to the hospital and then at night I would leave the hospital and come and make dinner and have dinner with the kids and trying to make normal, you know, trying to make life seem normal and on the inside just dying myself, watching my wife dying in front of me. And uh, about a week and a half in, I was on my way back into the hospital and uh, the head of the uh, intensive care unit in um, Fremantle Hospital rings me and he goes, oh, are you on your way in? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, all right, we're, we're going to have to talk about what the next step is because you can't just keep her on the machines forever. I said, okay. So I get in and I had to sign paperwork to say turn off these machines. And that was heartbreaking. But I just had to trust just had to trust in my God. God said, will you still love me even if? And I thought, oh, that's horrible. Anyway, so I, so I prayed and, uh, and I got to stand there whilst they turned everything off because as far as they were concerned, that was going to be it. And they turned everything off and they started pulling all the cables and stuff off her and, and then uh, pulled the, the tube out from her throat and then she started to flutter to wake up and I'm like this is incredible this is a miracle right 
and, and she went to try and say something. She looked over at me and she went to try and speak. And, um, and, and I'm kind of like, what are you trying to say? And I could tell that she, like, her throat was really sore and she was struggling to talk. And there was a jug, like, on the table like this, right, with condensation running down the side of it like this. But it was on a serviette on the little table there. So I, I picked up the jug and I, I poured a cup of water with a straw in it and I put the cup over so she could, so she could have a drink. Uh, and then I got the jug and I put it down next to the serviette, right? And she's just had this drink. She goes, put it on the serviette, you idiot. <laughs> and I went, thank you, Jesus. My wife is back. <laughs> and she was here. Two weeks later, she was at home. They still have no idea what happened to her, why it happened. There's no effects from it. No, no, nothing's happened since she's 100% healed she would had been put on the liver transplant list because every organ in her body was shutting down and her liver had basically gone wasn't working and then two weeks later she's at home miracle right but it was a challenge what kept me going it wasn't drugs it wasn't alcohol it wasn't my old habits it wasn't my old ways it was knowing that God loves me no matter what's happening and he loves you in 2014 my mum died my mum and I were really close she was the only other person that kind of stuck with me through all the years that's an old old photo that's actually me not the lady with the hair that's not me the kid um we mum was like my best friend and she got cancer and she struggled with cancer for a long time and, and, uh, and she passed away in October 2014. And that was tough. But what kept me going? Knowing that God loves me no matter what is happening. That's what kept me going. In March of 2015, my sister died of a heroin overdose in a train station toilet. I couldn't help her. I tried. I couldn't help it. But what kept me going is knowing that God loves me no matter what's happening. Because nothing can separate us from the love of God. These challenges happen in our lives. They happen, but God loves you. He has a plan for you, an amazing plan for your life. But you might have to break away from some things in order to get your breakthrough. People often ask me how I can be so happy when I've gone through so much stuff. And I never seem to change. I'm just kind of happy all the time. And sure, I have my down moments or aggravated moments like everybody, but I've worked out something in my life, and that is that God is with me all the time, and God has a plan for every situation, for every circumstance, and all I need to get a breakthrough is to break from the things that are holding me back from that breakthrough and you can get a breakthrough today you can have a transformation today you can have it every day if you want it if you're not feeling close to God if you're not feeling loved by God if you're not feeling your life is doing what it's supposed to be that you're not effective the things you dreamed as a kid aren't coming to fruition then maybe you need to break from some things in your life to get your breakthrough God's turned my life from drugs and crime and violence to a life of great honour and great value. I have the privilege of speaking into people's lives. 
helping the less fortunate, seeing God's miracles in action. I get to do this every day. I get to share the love of Jesus, share the gospel every single day of my life. What a great privilege. What a great honor. And it's because God gave me a breakthrough. But I had to partner with him in that. If the musicians want to come and join me. See, God loves you no matter who you are. He loves you no matter what you've done. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. He is merely waiting for you to make a decision to put him on the throne of your life. He's waiting for you to make a decision to break from the things of the past, to drop some of the things that are holding you back. He's just waiting for you to make a decision to follow him. What is it that you need to break from in order to get your breakthrough? And I'm genuinely challenging you this morning. Is it unhealthy relationships? Are you hanging around with someone or some people who are holding you back? Who you know that aren't leading you in the direction of your dreams. They're not leading you to the call of God. They're not investing into you. Or a relationship that you know you shouldn't be in. That's not what God wants for you. And you'll know in your heart of hearts, you don't need to be a theologian or a Bible scholar to know what God wants for you. You'll know. You need to break from any unhealthy relationships today. Is it a job that you need to quit because it just costs you too much hours? You're away from your family. You're away from your wife. You just work, work, work. You can't do anything for God. You can't even, don't even have time to pray. Maybe... Just maybe you have to break from it. Look for something that will align with God's plan for your life. Is it addiction? Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Do you have to, like I did, I was just didn't want to feel anymore. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go through life feeling what I felt. I didn't want to think about what I was thinking about. I had so much shame so much guilt and so much hurt that it was easier to just medicate myself so I didn't have to feel anything. But that will hold you back from your breakthrough. That will hold you back from doing what God's calling you to do. Is there something in your life that you need to break from in order to get your breakthrough? I don't want anybody to leave here today the same way they came in. You have an opportunity today to be changed and transformed. It could be anything. And I'm not going to ask people to tell me what their thing is, you know, like if you struggle with pornography or you've got a drug problem, even if it's prescription, whatever it is, then my encouragement is to break from that. Get some help. Get some help because these things will hold you back from the destiny that God has for you. And can I tell you, He has a plan for you, an amazing plan for you. An amazing, amazing plan for each and every one of you. But we anchor ourselves to things in our life that stop us from receiving what God has from us. That stop us from living out the destiny He has for us. Who would have thought, back in my teen years, a heroin addict 
in the streets of Perth stealing and running around with guns and being an idiot would ever fly across the country to speak to a church. This is the power of God. I'm telling you now, if He can do it in my life, He can do it in your life. But He wants you to partner with Him. He wants you to make some changes. He wants you to make a decision to put Him in control of your life. To put Him as the King. I want everybody to stand up. I'm going to I'm going to take a few moments and we're just going to ask the team to lead us in a little bit of worship because I want, I really challenge you to break from something today. And like I said, I'm not going to ask you to tell me what it is. I'm not even going to call you out the front. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to do business with God. I'm going to ask you where you are because there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. No matter who you are, where you've been, just like I said, it happened for me in a prison cell. Me and Jesus. Me and Jesus. So right now as the team leads us, I want you to forget everybody else is here. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to do some business with God himself because he is here. Holy Spirit is here to heal you, to transform you, to change you. Right now in this place, Lord, we open our hearts to your presence. Holy Spirit, fill us afresh from the tips of our toes to the top of our head, Lord, right now. Let your presence invade us and change us and transform us. Whatever it is, Lord, that we need to let go of, that we need to break from, Lord, highlight that to us. Give us the opportunity to put that aside and put you in its place, Lord. Lord, we're hungry for breakthrough. We're hungry for transformation. We're hungry to have you at the head of our lives, leading us for a destiny of greatness. Lord, for every single person here, Lord, I pray for a supernatural encounter with you this morning, that no matter if they're in a great season or a terrible season, Lord, that you do a work, Lord, a changing work, Lord, that they may dream dreams and see visions, that you would set before each and every one of us a destiny of greatness that leads to heavenly places. Lord, open heaven over us now. Open heaven over us now, Lord, as people are allowing your spirit to minister to them, Lord. Just do a healing work in every heart. If it's addiction today that you're struggling with, hand it over to God. You may have tried before. You may have tried many times before, but I'm telling you, it's going to come to a place and God will help you with it. Make a decision today to let go of it somebody in your life who can help you with it stand with you pray for you, believe in you start pressing into the word of God because he will break it off if it's a bad relationship then make that hard decision he's a gracious God, he will help He will help you through it, I promise you that he'll be with you through it but we need to make some hard hard choices whilst everybody's standing I just want everyone to shut their eyes for a moment. Just shut your eyes and, and bow your heads because some people need to come back into relationship with God. Some people need to make that decision today to put Him on the throne of their lives. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He died on the cross to forgive you of your sins, to give you access to heaven, to give you eternity with God Himself. He 
came for you. He came for you. He came to transform your life. So if you need to come back into relationship with God this morning, or you need to make a decision for the first time, maybe you've never made a decision and you're here and you're thinking, why did I come here today? But this is why you're here today. It's to make a decision to put God as your Lord, to allow Him to be your Savior, to allow Him to influence your life and to give you that destiny that He created you for. So right now, with nobody looking around, everyone's eyes are closed and their heads are bowed. No one's looking around. It's just you. And I want to see who I'm praying for because I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out the front like I said before. I'm not even going to point you out. Everyone's eyes are closed and heads are bowed. If that's you this morning, if you need to come back into relationship with God, maybe you've drifted for whatever reason it is. You've been distracted or discouraged or hurt. You're carrying some resentment, whatever it is. He's saying, come home. Come back. If that's you this morning and you need to recommit your life to Jesus or make that first commitment, I just want you to quickly slip up your hand so that I know who I'm praying for. Yeah, I see that hand. So good. What a great decision. Great decision. You can put it down. Anybody else? Yeah, I see that hand. Great. Yes. So good. And that one. So good. People all over this church make decision. Hey, if that's you today, if you haven't put up, let's, let's be bold. Nobody's looking around. It's business with God. Is there anyone else? It's to come back to relationship with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. I'm just going to pray. Repeat this after me. Father God in heaven, I need you in my life. I need you in control of my life. Lord, thank you for sending your son for this very moment to forgive my sins. From this time on, I promise to follow you and honor you for all the days of my life. And I pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Hey, can we give it up for those people who made a decision this morning? What a great thing. That is the best thing. The Bible tells us that when one person makes a decision, that all heaven rejoices. So when a whole heap of people make a decision, you imagine the party in heaven and how cool that is. Hey, I want to thank you guys for having me here in your church. You guys are amazing. The presence of God is here. And can I just encourage you to keep striving for that breakthrough. Keep putting Him first because nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. That's worth a cheer and a praise to God, right? Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow, what a great story. You can take your seats. I never ever get tired of hearing the goodness of